0: mystery, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And welcome back to another episode of Cassie Adulting. I'm your host, Anais, joined by my lovely other host, fatima and we're so excited for episode number four I can't believe it number four already I know time flies when you're having fun
0: <laughs> exactly
1: yeah again once again in every episode we're gonna thank you for listening to last week's episode it was probably one of the best not best episodes I mean it is one of the best episodes always we're so so grateful for you but before we get into it Fatima how are you doing I'
0: Thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, No, I'm good. Vibes are good. Um, I was telling you earlier. I feel like I'm in my like health era. You know, I'm really just trying to take care of myself and prioritize like not being stressed out all the time and really just like lowering my stress levels, taking care of myself. Um, So that's been nice and just like resting and doing things that make me happy and my second niece is due to be born soon so we're all waiting um and we're all really excited so hopefully an update will be on the show soon
1: oh my god yes we'll post a little pic when she comes into the world (laughs) another latina girl that's all we need in the world exactly and we're hoping your sister has a very safe and pleasant birth
0: thank you We appreciate it. What's up with you,
1: Anais? My brain does not work these days. I just got back from a trip to watercolor Florida, Seaside, Florida for my friend Hannah's wedding. Such a beautiful wedding. Um, Got to spend time with some of the girlies. And yeah, it was really nice. Seaside is beautiful if you ever have a chance to visit. They even have a Cuban uh, cafe there. There's a Cuban food restaurant. Jack it thing. Beautiful.
0: Go look at Anaïs's Instagram because the so good.
1: It's like a Nicholas Sparks movie meets Stars Hollow. And there was like this cute... I have to post pictures of this post office, but it was like this little post office with like flowers on it. Just really, really cute. And yeah, oh. now I have my grandfather's birthday dinner tonight. How's Mason? Uh, Mason is so good. I was with him last week and he just wanted... Dia, yeah, like he was... Like, Dia, play with me. Dia, give me your attention. And I was like, Mason, I'm trying to work so I can buy you everything you would ever want in life. Seriously. He's like, I don't care. I just want you right now. But I'm going to see him tomorrow and go to Aqua Tots with him. Ah, love it. How's Luna enjoying the fall weather in Atlanta? Oh, my God. That
0: girly is in her music era. Like, oh stay tuned. She is our next big Latina pop star because... <laughs> She recently discovered that she loves it. And so she's been dancing, singing, playing the guitar. Oh my God, not the guitar sent her like a little like guitar and if you haven't go to my tiktok because there's a video of her dancing to drake i saw it so funny you guys like you have no idea how hard all of us laughed so i love that you have to record all those
1: moments now because in like 30 years when we film her documentary like the rise of luna uh, oh that's good like the moon rises luna rises
0: um you're gonna need all those videos all those b-rolls so She'll be part of our um, producing company, you know. Oh, yes. She will have a podcast one day. Exactly. But anyways, getting into today's show, we are going to talk about both of our experiences. As we said, we grew up on opposite coasts of the U.S. and somehow still found our way to each other. Um, But yeah, Anais grew up in Miami. I grew up in San Francisco slash the Bay Area. And... As you can imagine, those experiences were really different. Um, so we're just going to get into that from bay to beach, as we're calling it, <laughs> getting into all the experiences. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll start with just like finding community in Miami versus SF, with especially the Latinx community and making friends. All of that. How was that experience for you growing up in the nice. East?
1: Um, I mean. I just walked outside. I'm not going to lie. Um, The Latinx community is not hard to find here. It is more apparent than any other community, especially growing up. And yeah, I went, I mean, growing up and going to school, majority of my friends were Latinx. It was very rare that I was friends with someone who wasn't Latinx or their parents weren't Latinx. Um, A few, like, you know, mixed For the most part, most, like I would say, 85 to 90% of my friends spoke Spanish. Uh, You know, a lot of them immigrated when they were very, very young. And a lot of them were Latinx. Like, it was very easy for me. Um, I remember, like, growing up. If my teacher didn't speak Spanish, it was a big problem, like not a big problem, but it was a lot harder for other parents and grandparents to communicate with their teachers because 90% of teachers and staff did speak Spanish. So if you were in Latinx, you were kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah. What about San Francisco?
0: Um, very different experience for me. I actually feel like I didn't have a lot of Latinx friends until I was in college. I think there was like some that I could count on like one hand, right? Like at different points, whether it was like elementary school and then maybe another one in middle school and then a couple in high school and stuff like that. But it's definitely not like a, a place where the community dominates. And so I feel like obviously like San Francisco is super diverse. So I feel like I had... Friends of all different backgrounds, but just not that many that were like me or that shared the same experiences as me. And so I pretty much found that like through my family and like our family friends. And so I don't know if like this is, you know, you did this as well, but for us, like all of our parents' friends are our tios and tias, like we call them that. They are like our true like family. And then All of their kids were like my cousins, you know, and so growing up, even when you're not blood related, you spend all this time together, especially when like you've immigrated to the States and like you don't have your whole family with you. You have to find that in other places. And I guess I didn't realize that was my Latinx community. Like that is where I spoke Spanish. That is where... I ate the food and practiced the traditions because I didn't get that in school, you know? So yeah, it was it was really different for us and for me at least. But I think it was still like you would go to certain parts of the city and like could still really find that community. Like in the Mission, for example, which was like Latinx dominated and you could walk around and like hear the music and get the vibes of what i imagine Miami was like. I visited once, 2010, mm-hmm. i think. <laughs> like it was cool, it was fun. But yeah, no, it was definitely not like you walk around and only hear spanish. So, i i can't imagine.
1: Do you know why your family moved to San Francisco versus somewhere like LA or
0: Miami or or you know? No somewhere more affluent yeah it's interesting because my mom's like whole side of the family is in LA so we did Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time there growing up to like spend time with my cousins and like my Mm -hmm. like our family there um but it was really just like work opportunities like my dad moved here first and like this is where he like got a job and like knew like one of his best friends was here and kind of like gave him the opportunity so and honestly no regrets even though we didn't have that sense of community that you're saying like that you had in miami like i love the bay area and i'm so happy to like have grown up here but i do wonder you know like how does that feel you know like do you and when you leave that like for it to be like this is all you know and then you leave miami and it's not that like is there like a culture shock for you
1: Yeah, definitely. When I went to Chicago was kind of like the opposite. Like I had one or two Latin ex friends now or met, you know, a couple Latin ex people but a lot of them weren't really in touch with their culture the people in Miami were where it's like very present and just their mom or you know even themselves had experienced their home country um whereas in Chicago some of it goes like their grandparents were the last ones to live in their home countries or you know their parents moved when they were very very young so that was definitely a culture shock especially like growing around and um i think in Miami it's just kind of more people speak spanish and english so you're going to go to Walgreens and talk to a cashier and eight out of 10 times they're going to speak Spanish. And, and I think that's a really big debate of like, is that, should that be the norm or should everyone speak English? And I just think it's, it's what do what works best for the community and all like, imagine coming to this country and not knowing English and having to leave your hometown. Cause a lot of people, you know, very luckily people can come to Cuba from Miami. And once they step foot in Miami, like they're safe. Like it's not like that for a lot of other countries or even like South American, Latin American countries. Um, but yeah, it's interesting too. Cause I, I like when you're talking, you said the word diversity. And so I'm thinking like you have like Chinatown and Koreatown and you have mm-hmm. all these other, you know, I'm not sure like how San Francisco is, but you probably have like, I think of like New York, like little Italy yeah. and Chinatown and little Tokyo and, and all these things. And we're like in Miami with Latinx being the biggest population like is that diverse like yes there is a lot of diversity within everyone's country and people say it's like a melting pot of all these different cultures but mm-hmm. it kind of makes you question like is Miami as diverse as you would think
0: mm-hmm. you feel like it was like lacking for you like you wish that you were exposed to like more cultures and like different communities and experiences
1: I absolutely, but I think that it's nice that home is home and home Mm -hmm. has this, this one like kind of like flow to it, you know, and there is, um, I have a lot of friends that are Colombian. I mean, even my grandma married a Colombian when she got divorced and having that kind of influence. And my grandfather was Italian, but again, they had moved from Fort Myers. So it's not like they he grew up in Miami but again having that culture um even being like Puerto Rican versus like being Cuban is different but I have a lot of friends from all over so everything is like a little different but it's like copy alternate you know like copy paste alternate in a sense and I'm not trying to like or like be like all latin countries are the same but when you live in miami and you can you know everyone is just coexisting together there is a lot of overlap Mm -hmm. yeah but i think that kind of going back to your question it gives me more of an appreciation to travel and like go see other things and live in other places and it's interesting too because just how you know, San Francisco has its boroughs in New York and things like, it's very similar in Miami where like, you know, kind of stereotypically speaking, like a lot of Venezuelans live in Doral. Um, you have like little Haiti and um, a lot of like Cubans live in Hialeah, whereas more like more of like the white population lives in like Kendall or, you know, and things like that. And it's still like very spread out, but there are those little like pockets where people are like, where people find their home country and can migrate. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think I definitely learned a lot just about like different countries. And like when I left and went to Chicago, I think one of my biggest irks was when somebody assumed that I was from another country just because I am Latinx. What like, my life, woman. Like every single time, be like, oh, hi, like I'm on these. Oh, are you Mexican? And it's like, no. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there are other countries besides Mexico that people immigrate from. Yeah. So yeah, just like it's and it's fun too to like educate other people, just because again, Cubans is the majority in Miami, so it's more like we're diverse within the countries than just than like worldly, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, you saying like being assumed that you're from another country truly was like the experience for me, and. That was always Mexico because in California, like they're the majority, of course. And so I even had someone ask me once, like, do you speak Mexican? And I was like, what? What did you just say to me? Um, I'm screaming. Literally just like unbelievable. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have never as a Salvadorian, like been the majority anywhere Mm -hmm. I've lived, anywhere that I've had experiences. And that is really hard, you know, because I'd be like, no, like, you know, like, yes, I'm Latina. And we all have like this, like sense of community and, you know, like connection, but like, it's different. Like I say things differently. Like our food is different. Like our traditions are different. And that's also fun and cool. And like ours should be celebrated too, you know? And I feel like... It's really hard to find that identity and that like community for yourself when like that isn't the majority around you. So I imagine maybe like there are other countries in Miami who like might feel that way, right? Like not being the dominant like. Yeah, person. I was about to say
1: it's the same thing of being, and I and I definitely fall into that being like, oh, you're not Cuban if something because a lot of the times what. Which is cool is that accents have a certain yeah. tone and vernacular to them. Like I know if someone's Argentinian or Uruguayan, like right mm-hmm. off the bat, because just the way they speak and say things is different, even Colombian too. But yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, you're not Cuban, because that is very much the norm here. Um, I think it was because in my neighborhood it was a lot of Cubans. And so when I went off to middle school and high school and kind of got a more sense of the people around the city I definitely met a lot of people from a lot of different cultures so yeah that's interesting of like that kind I don't know if that's a micro is that microaggression maybe
0: yeah (laughs) I mean I think it could be considered that way I mean I think it like depends like where it's coming from you know
1: yeah yeah like that kind of it's like kind of you're zooming in on Mm -hmm. a particular ethnicity and just you know really making them, like, again, the majority.
0: Yeah. So, like, I never felt like the majority, but I also feel like I never felt like I couldn't find my people within Mm -hmm. the Bay Area or SF. And I think, again, like, part of it is through my family and, like, all the people that we knew. But I do feel like the Salvadorian community is really strong here. And it's, like, if you ever want pupusas or to like go to a bakery that has like our things from back home, it was really easy to do that. And then I moved to New York and <laughs> I literally, mm. it took me years to find a pupuseria in New York. And when I did, it would take so long to get there because it was like so deep in like, you know, a part that like I didn't even know, but it's like so heavily dominated by like Caribbean people. And I just felt so lost within that, you know, like I'm like, we do not talk the same way. Like, we don't say things the same. And like two of my best friends from college are both Caribbean, Caribbean Latinas and You know, we would like do a game where we'd be like point to something in the room and be like, how do we all say this? And it was like, them usually saying something similar and me like coming out of left field with something super different, you know. But yeah, that was really hard. And I just was like, okay, like, I really don't have my people here, you know, like NSF. I did and I could seek it out whenever I wanted to but being in New York I was like whoa this is different you know like and also yep. being so far away from home and not having like my family as like home base of my identity you know like
1: yeah. I definitely feel that and actually luckily the first day I moved to Chicago like my first day on campus this guy was on the phone and he was like oh just send it to my address in Miami and I turned around and I was like you were from Miami and he was the most, his name is Nicholas, shout out to you. I've been talking to you in a few years, but he was like the most Miami guy I've had contact with, you know, since I, had, well, I moved out when I moved to Northern California and all that. But like having one of those be the first people I met, like he was Argentinian, but he yeah. still got, like Miami has a certain culture to it. Yeah. And my dream is to have Teffy on the show so we could like geek out about it and talk about it. But this is not really about like, living in Miami it's kind of um so that'll be another episode hopefully but it was just nice to kind of have that home base too because actually interesting enough my grandparents moved to Chicago before they moved to New York before they moved to Miami so they got to Miami went to Chicago um and it's too cold so of course there are not a lot of Cubans or Puerto there's a Puerto Rican Dominican community there but it's just way too cold I think so Mm -hmm. they moved to New York and then they're like okay we are really over Nicole, the they didn't live in New York for that long. And and then moved to Miami's. And something I kind of noticed too was all the Cuban restaurants in Chicago, majority of them are not owned by Cubans. Mm. And so it kind of takes away because it's like same, but really different. Like yeah. you're trying, but there's not that like history there or that way to do it. Sometimes the way my abuela cooked, it was, she had these like shortcuts and to things because they lived in a poor country, like yeah. I remember, I mean, this isn't food, but like she would take a knife and like sharpen our pencils instead of like oh, using yeah. a pencil sharpener and like things like that. Um, or like she could make clown in the microwave, like using a blender in a microwave, and so just like those things that add to it, it just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would go for like comfort food, but sometimes paying $20 for something I could buy for 95 cents in Miami was just mm-hmm. like not what I was trying to do.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But, and I was always kind of against moving back to South Florida. I was like, I don't know if I'd go back. Like, my life is, is forward. But I am so happy to be living in South Florida again. And even just, like, going down to Miami and going to a bakery, a Cuban bakery, or getting cafe, like, going to a ventanita. Like, I know, just there's nothing like it. It's so
0: nostalgic, too. Yeah. I'm also curious because like we were talking about language and speaking Spanish. And to me, like, it's so unfathomable. Like Like, it's just so not like what I experienced to have like Spanish be something that is spoken and learned Mm -hmm. in school in a way that's like for Spanish speakers, you know, like I thank God every day for my mother who insisted we speak Spanish and like, At home, we only speak Spanish and I feel like my Spanish is pretty good. We can debate, but you know, like... It's better than mine, so... (laughs) Yeah, I think that like that is so important to me and I'm so grateful for that. And just again, like with my family and when my abuelos would visit and just like speaking Spanish with them and like, you know, my aunt, Chayo, shout out to you if you're listening. She always like laughs when I say all of the little like... Salvadorian sayings that are like so cultural and she's like this girly who grew up in the states like saying these random things that we would say when we were young but like it's just so entrenched in my life but I did not speak or like learn or anything related to Spanish in school like until I was in high school and I was like easy a hey, let me take Spanish because like we had to take a language you know but it was always, like, a clear separation between home is where I speak Spanish, school, I only speak English. Shout out to Dora. Like, that girl really raised me on being bilingual. <laughs> my God. Like, what a queen, honestly. But now, like, really, when I was, like, little, I would watch that show and be like, oh, my God. Like, you know, someone who gets it because you, like, I really had to, like, separate the two things, hold the two languages separately And it was hard, but I feel like that was normal. And so you saying like you spoke Spanish in school or like you guys had like Spanish classes. I'm like, what? Like, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So I learned English and Spanish at the same time. Like I couldn't tell you what I learned first, mostly because of my grandparents and living with them. And then my parents spoke mostly English. It's interesting because like my mom, I would say like you guys are very similar in that sense where she grew up in Fort Myers, very American, very white, and then would speak Spanish at home because she lived with her grandma and her great grandma. But yeah, so I learned both um at home. Like I, I can't tell you when I started, but from kindergarten, even before that, like daycare, I mean half the people there spoke majority spanish and it's very common to go places and like daycares are like there's even in miami we have like the jose martin curriculum which is like a very cuban-based mm. curriculum um and it, it's good to help like when you know young kids immigrate to help them learn english mm-hmm. but yeah like we had fun like can kindergarten on I was taking like I had a Spanish teacher come in middle school I did not take Spanish I don't even I don't think we had Spanish in my middle school again because we didn't need to right like no one needed to sit in a Spanish class so they could use that money for other things and then in high school there was Spanish for non-Spanish speakers and Spanish for Spanish speakers and then you can go up from there as well as ESOL like English I I think it's what English speaking learning Mm -hmm. Or something like that. I thought it was like English
0: as second language or something like that.
1: No. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that makes that more sense. Um, those classrooms, we had usually one classroom upgrade mm-hmm. for ESOL students instead of just like a couple of classes that they would take in addition to or or whatever. So yeah, it's very different because again, like a lot of schools had to cater to kids coming to this country before yeah. kindergarten or even any
0: of any age. Which I think is amazing. Like, I think, again, like places that have really high, like immigration, immigrant populations should 100% do that. Like, yeah, and again, I don't know, like maybe it was the schools that I was part of that nece- like that wasn't necessarily the case. Right. But like, I feel like that should be available to anyone at any time because the transition is so hard like my siblings went through that like mm-hmm. they came here when they were older and like didn't know english and then had to go to school and like make friends and like go through all these things where like when you're the language is not there and like communicating is so hard and so i think that like they did have some level of support from like the schools that they went to but I don't know. I just feel like that's so important and like especially for kids, right? Like it's just like so hard to even just be a kid and like try to Yeah.
1: I can't imagine. Yeah a homeroom teacher that you know in elementary like your main teacher in elementary school that didn't speak Spanish. It was awful. I mean I only had maybe like one or two throughout my whole elementary experience and a couple like supporting teachers who didn't. Um, but then they couldn't talk to my grandmother who would drop me off at school and pick me up every day. And if there was something going on at school and I didn't really want to share, I could really hide that with that language barrier because I know that cause there's also kind of the culture that, especially with like education and teaching that pours in a little bit to that. Not saying that, you know, English or like white teachers are not going to do this, but there's also this like cultural understanding between a teacher and a grandparent or a parent. Um, when we're, when my grandma could communicate with them, mm-hmm. it made a lot of the difference because my grandma really saw them as like the bridge between what's going on at school and at home, because she could kind of be like, I noticed this is weird. Or can you keep an eye on her emotionally, especially when things are going on at home that I, didn't necessarily understand. So anytime there was, and my grandma was very close to everyone at my school, the principal, the vice principal, the guidance counselor, like that woman knew everybody and everybody knew her. And so, yeah, it's hard because it would just be hard and frustrating where maybe in other cases, like that wouldn't have been a problem.
0: Yeah. I mean... That sounds really nice. Like I wish that that would have been my experience, you know, but I think for me, it was the opposite. For there to be a teacher who spoke Spanish, who could do like a parent teacher conference with my Mm. mom was so rare. I think that that is where like my siblings, like especially my sister, who's the oldest really stepped in and she would like always go with her or, you know, whatever was needed to like communicate with my teachers, because that was always a barrier that's really unfortunate cuz my mom was so involved in my education and like always was like on top of it and like you know wanted to help and do all the things and talk about like how i was doing and how i could be doing better or like where i was excelling or whatever it was there was a a barrier there that i think is like really hard i'm sure for her to navigate and like for me as the kid to be like oh you know like we can't just have like a, a regular conversation about this yeah I mean I think that there were things like when I would like do something bad and like I would have to like get a note sent home or something like I feel like I would go to my sister and be like ah, can you sign this like yeah my parents don't know you know like oh my they, god I used,
1: to, I used to sign everything I would forge my mom's signature all the time
0: yeah. Girl, you don't say that on here. They're going to come for you.
1: Oh, yeah. They're going to take away all my degrees <laughs> as long as I get my money back. No, exactly. No more loans. That's um, interesting. Oh, well, I'm curious, too, because and this is kind of going on more of like being Latinx and being educated. Where Do you think that there was a, a bias towards your mom growing up because she had come from another country and didn't speak the language and was like, I mean, she's a social worker, like, and that's, you know, and I had to check my biases on that too sometimes because I was like, oh, wow, that's like really cool and awesome that she was able to transfer that here. Did you ever feel kind of that, I don't want to say degrade because that's not like the word I'm looking for, but that, that like ignorance about what your mom could do in the States even though her primary, her first language is Spanish.
0: Well, actually, yeah, that's not, she doesn't, she's not a social worker here in the States. Like that was her okay. year until we moved here. And then now she, or like for the rest of her time here was a housekeeper and still is. And so again, like that is the, the unfortunate part of like, immigration mm. that this country does not value degrees and experiences that people bring from other countries because they're not seen as good as here in the States, you know? And so I feel like that's really unfortunate, but like she knew she had to do what she had to do for like us. And I think again, like this is what I talked about in previous episodes of like the need for me to do something great and important because of like all that she gave up so that I would have opportunities. But Yeah, 100%. Like the bias is there. And it's assumed that like, if you don't speak English, you're just not as intelligent, or just like not as capable, which is just so far from the truth. And I think is so frustrating. And I think like, as the kids who are navigating this country, and like all of those biases, it's like, like, I feel like it's like making me emotional, you know, like, I'm just like, it's so messed up and I feel like to be the kid and like admire your parents like in the way that like oh my god <laughs> in I that, cry. Like, no, <laughs> in the way that I admire my mom like truly she is like the most intelligent incredible like powerful woman I've ever met in my life is who I aspire to be But for something like that to be seen as like a negative for her or that like there's she has any less value because she doesn't speak a language is like so messed up. And I think that like the way that the system here works and like the fact that it's like it's this way or no way is like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that it's so important for like people, especially in communities where like there are a lot of Spanish speakers or whatever language there is to like accommodate for that and just realize like, immigrants like bring so much to this country and like you can't deny the fact that there are like so many of us here and so like you got to catch up to the times you know like if you need to like translate something into spanish because the majority of like your students and their families like speak that like do it you know like go like the extra mile and like make things accessible for people. But yeah, I just yeah, like the bias was 100% there. And that's why I'm telling you, I really feel like you are lucky in so many ways to have grown up in a place where like, that wasn't the case. And where like, people felt like a second home almost so so much like similarities to like their home countries where I feel like, here and like other cities it's just kind of like, yeah, like you're in like an American city that is so different from where you came from and like, figure it out. We're not going to help you, mm-hmm. you know? And I can't imagine, like, again, I was one when I got here. So like, to me, I'm like, this is all I've ever known. But like, yeah, for like my parents or my siblings who were older, like, I can't imagine how hard it was to like adjust to that without any like cultural backing in the city, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, Thanks for sharing all of that, because I that's not where I expected for that to go. And I think that's really important to talk about, too, because, again, I feel we're our generations are a little shifted, not because I'm a little bit older, just because of my grandparents migrating here versus my parents mm-hmm. and seeing that with my abuelo, like he has done so many things, but he still considers himself semi-retired because, one, I don't know. I don't think he knows what to do with his time. And two, it just took him a little bit longer to do things because he had to learn English. And, you know, now he speaks English fairly well. And yeah, it's hard because I think I think of my mom, who's a social worker and all the parents that she calls and how many times a day she's speaking Spanish. And it's the majority of the day. And so for someone like your mom to miss out, even if she did live in Miami, like it just I think it says so much about even just the college education system and mm-hmm. how adult education isn't appreciated because I think it could be so easy and so useful to so many people if, you know, someone like your mom was like, I have a social working degree from El Salvador. This is what's the same. And, and like, if even if each person had to manually go through every syllabus and highlight, like, this is what I learned, this is the same, and be able to help communities that are mostly Spanish speaking, I think even it would help not just because of the language barrier, but because the culture barrier has a lot of effects. Like, it, it really does, like, there is such thing as, like, a cultural barrier and why people... Say things a certain way or do things a certain way. It's just because of like our upbringing that if there was a way to take like what immigrants have learned, even doctors, I know becoming a doctor Mm -hmm. or a lawyer here is so hard, but now we're not seeing any doctors and lawyers anymore. Mm -hmm. And think of all the people that, you know, could be have 20 more years of their career left if they could just transfer over their degree. Yeah. 100%. I
0: feel like the cultural barrier is so real. Like my therapist, the most recent one was Latina and it was like the most amazing experience ever because she was able to understand all of those like little culture, little cultural things that like make up your life, you know? And like, yeah. even just like being able to say people's names correctly when we're mm-hmm. talking about them, you know what I mean? Like, so Yeah, I think there's so much to gain and so much value from so many people that, like, unfortunately, just doesn't happen. So anyways, (laughs) um, yeah, that took a turn. Uh, But anytime that I talk about my mom, I'm going to cry because I love that woman. So just, you know, FYI. No, I also wanted to talk about, like, I feel that people from Miami and people from the Bay Area really share... That like pride of where they mm-hmm. come from. And I feel like when I was in New York, and I think like New Yorkers obviously too, but like when I was there and I would meet someone from the Bay Area, it would be like, oh my God, Bay Area, yes. Like, you know, and people from Miami too. Like, I feel like we're at the 305, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was so strong. And I was like, period, shout out to y'all. But like, how do you feel like that impacted your life and like how you see? Home and like pride in that. Now as an adult, oh yeah. Um,
1: growing up, I could not wait to get out of here because if it, it's a, it really does feel like a bubble. And that makes sense that like everyone knows each other. Well, they do. It's a very small world, and everyone knows someone that you know in a sense. But I remember just wanting to get out because it felt like everyone. A stereotype here is that no one moves out until they get married. They go to college with the same people they went to elementary school, middle school, and high school with. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just like a cycle. And I think because of the high school I went to and being very academically driven, we all just kind of wanted to get out of this bubble. And as soon as I was out of the bubble, I wanted to go right back in. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm from Miami. Like, I'm loud and proud. There's just so many, like, quirks quirks to it. It's very quirky in its own way and there's just things that like only would happen in miami i was at the mall parking lot with my dad and they're just chickens like mm-hmm. dozens of chickens like have you ever gone to the mall and have seen chickens like mm-hmm. roosters yeah. no and it's such a miami thing or like things like that or the fact that you can get a mango off the side of the road out of someone's car like things like that and so when i was always back i was always so excited i was like we're gonna go get cafecito we're gonna go you know abuela's gonna make a big dinner and it's gonna be You know, we're gonna go just be as cuban and as miami as possible we're gonna go down to you know now miami my my miami accent's coming out like we're gonna go to south beach and everything like, I was just like i'm mrs 305 till i die <laughs> like people has nothing on me also in miami everyone is known to have six at least six separations of at most six separations from Pitbull. Right. Kind of like Kevin Bacon. But yeah, I was just like so prideful and it's just so unique because when you meet someone from Miami, like I remember when I went to UC Santa Cruz, there was a girl in my dorm who was from Miami. Um, so that was like really special and you can kind of like talk about all the things because also in Miami at like 15, 16, we were fifteen going on thirty-five mm-hmm. and we acted like it too. So yeah, it was now i'm very very prideful and um i will sit in i-95 traffic um anytime so yeah shout out yeah i'm gonna sit down and maybe one day do like a solo episode of things that make miami miami or get someone that i know to come on it with me because where else would you hear people hit pots and pans when the Miami heat wins? You know, (laughs) like things
0: like that, that make it just so unique. But yeah, what about San Francisco? Like, what did you carry with you to New York? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I never realized until I left. And then I was like, West Coast, Best Coast, Bay Area, SF. Like, I was so honestly, probably annoying. Like, I was just so like this is the best place. And like, I feel that like New York, New Yorkers also have that. And so like to be there and be like, no, like my city, you know what I mean? Like, but I think that like, there's something so special about the Bay Area and the community. I think it's as a place just insanely beautiful. And I feel like that is something that like I've learned to value so much of like the water and the trees and like all the things that you can do. But I also just feel like I always felt like, obviously, like this is home, right? I have so like such strong roots here and such a community here. And I feel like I always just like loved the people. I loved the spirit of like activism and like people, you know, raising their voices. Like I feel like SF is really known for that. And so I feel like that was just like how I grew up. And I was like, I love that. And I feel like that really helped me find my voice and be like, I can speak my mind and speak my truth and whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think that like being far away from home, as far away as I was on the whole nether coast, like it just made me appreciate it so much more. And I knew like I had to come back, like truly, you know, shout out Katy Perry. Like I'm a California girl. There's nothing else to be said. And I just yeah like I love this place it's home and I think that like as we said like I feel like the diversity just like all the many different experiences and like all the people that I've met and like all the things about their life that I've learned is like really what I love about this place and yeah I think
1: too When we think of New York and L.A., that kind of lifestyle is very much portrayed on TV. Yeah, Unlike San Francisco, like, I think San Francisco, you have full house and it's just a bunch of white people. Let's be real. And then, you know, Miami has that Miami Vice kind of feel. But the different kinds of cultures, like in New York, you can kind of see that on TV television Mm -hmm. and even LA that like Hollywood life versus the not Hollywood life the reality of like what those places are like are really coming into fruition
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and I think like that's why we like we rap extra hard because like we don't see that as much Mm -hmm. in media and so I feel like like even throwing it back to fassy influencers episode there i didn't know like any sf influencers when like i was like getting into it and now there are like many and i follow a lot of them love Mm -hmm. them. but yeah like i just was like what about us like i love my city my city's cool like we should be talking about it you know um see in miami i don't know of any
1: Influ- no that's not true. Kathleen. Licks. She's like a big YouTube beauty mm. blogger. Yes, um she's from her. yeah she's from Miami. But other than that, especially in the influence space, a lot of the TikTokers or sorry. Well yes TikTokers, Instagram influencers, a lot of them are transplants. They're not from Miami. Mm. Alex Earl, not from Miami. Um a bunch really? of other people that I follow, like I think she's from New Jersey. She just went to school in Miami. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah, yeah she, she's not Miami, so was, yeah, she just went to Miami, but she's
1: not from Miami. Crazy, the more you know, yeah. So, that's I think that's
0: interesting, yeah. I mean, same so like that, like SF in the Bay Area has changed so much with like tech and so many people coming here. But, oh, yeah, the true natives they call us the real natives. ones, no, like literally, like that is like a whole thing. It's like if you it's meet somebody who's from here, you're like a unicorn, and I'm like. Unfortunate. <laughs> You're like, how about you don't call me that? No, right.
1: Before we wrap up, um, I can't believe 50 minutes have gone by so fast. Like, honestly, like one of the best conversations, and I haven't even edited this episode yet. Right. But give everyone three things they have to do when they go to SF. Oh, God. And
0: you should have told me this earlier. I would have thought. Sorry, I just that. thought about it now i'm on the spot now i'm stressed (laughs) so a hundred percent i think you need to go to golden gate park that is one of my favorite places it's also gigantic like it's bigger than central park and i feel like people don't know that so Mm. there's so much to do um go to the mission for sure have a burrito a california burrito Mm. um la taqueria is like a really popular place so definitely go there Um, And then walk along the Embarcadero, like go to the Bay Bridge, go to the Golden Gate Bridge. They're freaking beautiful. Really just walk around like that's how you'll see the most things. Also Dolores Park, like when you go to the mission, go to Dolores Park. So beautiful. Such good food in the mission. Walk around, look at the murals. Those are my recs. Wait, but when's the best time to go to San Francisco? Oh, man. Uh, not the summer because our summers are really cold. So if <laughs> you're trying oh. to have like a nice warm summer, don't come here.
1: Or well, if you live time, in Florida, go to San Francisco.
0: Right. We don't really have seasons like that, but probably Same. fall, like fall or spring, I think would be nice. So okay, there you go.
1: So for anyone visiting Miami and you want to do anything besides go be on the boat or go to the Fountain Blue, um, to go to Club Live, I would say go to mary's it's um on i think like 27th avenue it's a laundry mat and they have a cuban cafeteria restaurant, Ooh. and it's so good that's like i'm going to stay i would go to sergio's on the coral way over versailles because i know y'all are like where's the best cuban food and it's gonna take you to versailles skip that skip the line go to sergio's two if you want like pretty views and you don't want to go to South Beach take the Rickenbacker Causeway onto Virginia Key kind of before you get into Key Biscayne and just like under the bridge not like under the bridge but they're like little parks beaches along the way um and you can like park your car and have a cute picnic get a pub stuff from Publix um that's you know, one of my favorite things to do. I'm trying to think of like non tourist like very touristy things.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, the Grove. If you're going to go to like outdoor shopping and food, I love Coconut Grove. It's so beautiful. It's like right on the water, a lot of walking. They just changed the whole food scene there. So you can find everything from like your favorites, like straw. was that? Stone and straw to Panther Coffee. And they're always evolving that space. But it's so beautiful. They open this like big uh, like winery yeah I definitely recommend the grove and like just drive around Coral Gables Cocuna Grove and just look at all the beautiful uh houses
0: okay I have one more thing to add if you go to the Embarcadero go to the Ferry Building and get the empanadas there especially Ooh. the banana con dulce de leche oh, incredible it sounds so, so good good you have to try it and if you're in Miami come say hi to me where should we have our first meet up Miami or San Francisco Ooh. Guys, Bowie just really wanted to share his thoughts on our episode this week. So
1: he has he has mamacities. I was gone all weekend, so mm-hmm. he has mamacities. He says, "See you next Wednesday." He says, "Thanks for listening. We're the girlies of Cassie Adulting." Bye, bye, besos.